Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Clones, welcome to the Daily Jungle. What's cracking? Listen, I got to be straight. I've been thinking about this TV show for a long, long time. And of all the things that I thought through, of all the calculus that I was doing about putting cameras in every inch of my new house, adding another element to the jungle, the one thing that I never thought would ever happen was that you clones would take your game to a whole new level. But there it is. Yet again, we had a monster clone day. In fact, a mini smack-off broke out. Dan in Denver, Matt in Vancouver, Mark in Boston, Tyler in Edmonton, and the headliner, three-time smack-off champ Brad in Corona. Mad respect for three amazing days of calls. Three guests also came strong. We had Sean Livingston of the NBA Champs, Wesley Woodyard of the Tennessee Titans, Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards. Alvy, we've got an amazing podcast dialed up. The Daily Jungle starts right now. <laughs> For years now, Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold have been compared to one another. You know, a couple of SoCal guys, crazy talent. They played their college ball at UCLA and USC, respectively. They've had some monster moments. They've had some not-so-great moments. All season long, there's been this real question of whether or not Rosen or Darnold would enter the 2018 draft. And yesterday, within minutes of each other, we get the answer, both are going. Both are coming out. And of course they are, right? I mean, it doesn't mean that it's a slam dunk, easy decision. But like I always say, if you've got a lottery ticket, you've got to cash that thing as quickly as you possibly can. Now, I know you might say, hey, wait a minute, Rome. Didn't you have Michigan State stud Miles Bridges on this show yesterday? Didn't he decide not to cash the ticket that he was holding on to last year? Right. But at the same time, remember, Tom Izzo practically pressured him into leaving, which is how serious this thing is. And how rare it is for somebody like Bridges to stay another year. Because as good as college is, and believe me, it's great, that's one more year of playing for free, risking an injury or a bad season that could cost you millions and then take another year off your professional career. So the fact is, you got to go. You have to leave, even if it means that you might end up in Cleveland. All right, so what are you going to do? This is the decision that these guys have to make. Do you stay in school another year and hope that Cleveland is not picking at the top of the draft next year? I mean, is that what you're telling me? Spoiler alert, they will be. They had the number one pick last year. They've got the number one pick this year. And barring some incredible miracle in the history of the NFL, they're probably going to be at the top once again next year. I mean, just step back from that for one minute. How crazy is it that there's even a thought that somebody might not enter the NFL draft because they're concerned that they might be drafted by Cleveland? Think about that for a second. Like, there was this moment, a consideration that maybe one or both quarterbacks might stay in school, play for free, and accept all the risk that comes with that because it still seemed like a better option than being paid crazy jack to play in Cleveland. Cleveland? I mean, thanks, Avi. If that's not the most damning statement about the Browns, then I don't know what is. I mean, next you'll be hearing that one or both guys intentionally tanked their workouts with the Browns so Cleveland would not take them. But... Both of them are willing to roll the dice on the Browns. So now the question becomes, who do they take? They're coming out. Who do you take? Rosen, who threw for over 3,700 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 10 picks. The guy throws a really nice deep ball, and he seems like the more natural, prototypical NFL quarterback. 
I mean, it seems pretty logical, except we know how NFL teams are. They might be scared off by a strong personality. Let's face it, Rosen is not the kind of guy who's going to spit cliches about winning the day, taking things one practice at a time. This guy's got opinions, lots of opinions, lots of thoughts, and he's not afraid to share them. And by the way, I love that about that guy. I love that about Rosen, but you know a lot of NFL teams might not. And then you've got Darnold, on the other hand. He's not going to cause a ton of controversy. In fact, none. But he may not be as polished on the field as Rosen is right now. And some evaluators do have concerns about his decision-making. He threw for over 4,100 yards. He had 26 touchdowns, but he had 13 picks. He also had five rushing touchdowns, but he had seven fumbles. It's concerning. It's concerning. And sure, his stock was higher last season after that ridiculous Rose Bowl game. But let me tell you about Darnold. This guy's got crazy it. And he can do things that Rosen will never be able to do athletically. And it's 6'4", 220. Darnold absolutely looks the part. So at the end of the day, I mean, there's no sure thing when it comes to drafting a quarterback. But I love Darnold. I love the guy. Even if he developed a proclivity for putting it on the ground and throwing it to the other guy this season. Now, the reason the two of these guys are so compelling is because they're so close. And since it's so close, we're going to have nearly four months to debate this and break it down. Do you take the guy with the pure natural ability and the personality, or do you go with somebody who might have some mechanical issues right now, but could potentially have a higher ceiling later? Because we live in this fast-paced world and we want answers right now, I'm going to fast forward to April 26th and give you the answer to the question of who Cleveland is going to take first. I already know. I already know. On that night, on that night, Roger Goodell is going to walk to the podium in Arlington, Texas, and announce that with the first pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns pick the wrong guy. The wrong guy. Because if history has taught us anything That's what Cleveland will do because that's what they've done for years. If they take Rosen, he's going to struggle. If they take Darnold, he's going to struggle. It doesn't mean that either of these guys are the wrong guy. It means that for years, Cleveland has been the wrong place. It's been the place that turns the right guys into the wrong guys. So if you are Rosen or you are Darnold, you still have to enter the draft right now. You've got to come out. You have to come out, even if being drafted by Cleveland ruins your career. Good luck, fellas. Sean Livingston is my guest. Sean, my man, Happy New Year. How are you, Sean? Happy New Year. Thanks for having me on, Jim. Sean, always good to talk to you. Thank you. Appreciate it. So you're coming off that win at Dallas last night, Sean, where Steph Curry hit a huge three with three seconds left. Let me start right there. The Mavericks had won four straight. They were playing at home. I could argue that that's a nice win on the road, but Steve Curtin seemed too happy about it. He said, quote, I like Steph's three there at the end. The previous five, six, seven, eight plays maybe were an utter disaster, completely mindless basketball. Sean, is that coach just being tough on everybody, or does he have a point when he says that? No, absolutely, he absolutely has a point. I mean, you know, we're we're better than that. Um, you know, Dallas has been playing well. Uh, they have previously won four four straight games. Um, you know, but we had the game in hand. Uh, we were up, I want to say seven, with you know maybe a minute and a half, two minutes left, and you know we just have to do a better job closing out closing out games. You know, we're a veteran team. We got guys that's been around the league. And we just made a couple mindless mistakes. So, uh, you know, looking at it from the coach's box, you know, he, he definitely has a point. 
Sean Livingston, my guest. And Sean, go back a couple of games. Against Charlotte, you knocked down a mid-range jumper, and the entire bench got on their knees to celebrate that. You are the rare master of the mid-range jumper. It's a dying art. How much pride do you take in that shot? Yeah, it's just kind of my game. Um, you know, I've had the same game since high school. It's just uh, really, you know, just getting to my spots. Uh, when I when I got injured, you know, after my third year, um, you know, I had to ch- kind of change my game around a little bit as far as, um, you know, my, my speed, my athleticism. It wasn't the same. So being able to slow down, kind of see the game uh, from a different perspective and using, you know, using my abilities, um, my height, my length, uh, being able to shoot over guards, um, you know, just really taking pride in that and, and, and using more of it. We're talking to Sean Livingston. You know, back in September, you posted this pick, a great, great pick of you with the two Larry O'Brien trophies and the two state championship trophies from Peoria Central. What kind of emotions did you feel when you had the four of those trophies together? Oh, it's always special when I get a chance to go back to Peoria. Um, you know, just such great pride coming out of that city. You know, um, you know, it's a lot of proud people, and uh, the high school, Peoria Central High School, it's you know a lot of pride. Uh, one of the oldest high schools um, in the Midwest, and you know, I you know I, I started playing basketball because I loved it, and you know, I won a lot of games ever since I started playing, and I really just took pride in that. And you know, once I got into kind of the NBA, you know, I wanted to to be a winner, and that was kind of. You know, that that was kind of like my token. You know, I wanted to be a winning basketball player, make winning plays. Um, you know, I didn't really play for stats. Just kind of, it just never really was my thing. You know, I never was, you know, a 30, 40 point score, even in high school, even in grade school. You know, just, it was just about winning the game. You know, I always played for the score on the, you know, on the score clock. And, um, you know, I really took a lot of pride in that. So two two state championships, two two NBA championships, you know, just a just a lot to uh, you know a lot to be proud of. Clones, give me one moment so I can talk to you about stamps.com. Now, here's a New Year's resolution that you can actually keep. Add Stamps.com to your business and save a ton of time and money this year. Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't need that resolution this year because I've already done it, and I wish I had done it sooner. Stamps.com has saved me so much time and so much money. You see, Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer. Stamps.com is the better way to get postage. You simply use your computer to print U.S. postage for any letter or package, any class of mail and you let the mailman pick it up. You don't leave your office. There's no more lugging mail to the post office. There is no more hassle. So stamps.com saves you time and money. Almost everything you can do at the post office, you can do right from your desk. Stamps.com. Convenient, easy, reliable, efficient. And those are all the reasons why I use stamps.com. And right now, you too can enjoy the stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Are you ready for a happier new year? Then go to stamps.com. Hit the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in jungle. That's stamps.com. Enter jungle. Once again, to take advantage of this great offer, stamps.com. Enter jungle.
That's stamps.com. Now it's back to our daily jungle. You know, it makes me think also, Sean, when the Lakers retired Kobe Bryant's jerseys, you also posted a pic on Instagram of Kobe going to the hoop over you, and the caption read, thank you for all that you gave to the game. No doubt your incredible mental toughness and competitive spirit separated your greatness from others. It also provided me with a blueprint to recovery in my own career. You will be missed. End quote. That's really high praise. So what was it about Kobe and his game that you admired the most? Yeah, just, I mean, just his mental, uh, his mental toughness, really. Um, you know, the type of work, his work ethic, you know, was unmatched, unparalleled. I mean, you know, what he gave to the game, uh, what he was able, you know, I read a quote um, kind of like when he was in his prime, you know, when I first got in the league and, you know, his, uh, his idea of success for him you know, kind of his gauge, his barometer was, you know, being able to squeeze every ounce of talent out of his, you know, out of his body. Every, you know, just to be able to um, fulfill his potential. And, you know, he came out of high school as well. And to me, that's special because there's so many talented, you know, you're born with, some guys are born with talent, right? And, but you're, you're not always able to uh, be successful based on talent. You know, it takes a lot of work ethic. It takes a lot of mental toughness, uh, a lot of discipline, you know, to get up, um, you know, on days that you don't really want to be there, days you don't want to work, and, and put the work in, you know, and, and, and go out and try to get the job done. And for me, you know, looking at my, my situation with my rehab, there was a lot of days where, you know, I just didn't have it. You know, I kind of doubted myself maybe, um, you know, thought, you know, maybe I didn't, um, didn't have it to, to be able to come back and, and didn't know where the finish line was. And so just looking at it, you know, I had to take it a day at a time. And Kobe is one of those inspirations for me to, to say, man, if this guy, you know, if this guy can get up and squeeze every ounce out of his body, you know, I can, I can try to do the same and see where I end up. Sean Livingston, my guest. You know, Sean, you and I have talked so many times over the years about so many things. And, of course, we've talked about that devastating injury and the way you came back from that. But there's something we never talked about. You said something recently that I thought was so profound. After Gordon Hayward suffered his injury earlier this year, you were asked by Bleach Report to talk about your injury in the process. And what was so profound to me, you talked about the mental and psychological side. And you said, quote, it's like a basketball death. Life just goes on without you being out of sight, out of mind. That's the hardest part. It's the same way if you were to pass away, life will just keep on going. End of quote. I mean, to me, it's really profound. How difficult was it to come back from that basketball death? And how were you able to do so? Yeah, it's, it, it is. It's very difficult um, just because, again, uh, you know, it's always the next man up. You know, that's the professional, you know, that's pro sports. Um, you know, guys, coaches have jobs to do. Co- you know, guys have jobs to do. Um, you know, and, and when you go down, you know, they got to keep they got to keep playing. Guys got to keep going. Uh, they got to keep winning games. And it, it, it was just it was tough. It was tough being out. Um, you know, people kind of forget about you, you know, um, obviously with the, with the player like Gordon, the player like Paul George, those, those type of guys, um, you know, their impact, what they brought to the game, they're obviously big name, all-star players. And so, you know, people will be waiting for their return. Uh, my situation was a little different, um, being out for so long, you know, not knowing if I was going to really play again. Um, you know, it was just kind of like guys, uh, the teams have kind of forgot about, you know, kind of forgot about me. So when I came back, 
you know, there wasn't really any hype. There wasn't really any uh, fanfare, uh, which was expected, of course. And so, um, you know, again, it's it's tough. You mentally, uh, emotionally, you know, you uh, we all have egos as men, and you know, I mean, it's it's you gotta you kind of have to humble yourself and and really say, you know what, whatever happens, you know, I'm I, I understand that I put the work in. I understand that you know it may not work out the way that I'm, I might want it to work out, but I'm going to give it everything I have. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I even get a shot or an opportunity. And so it's just really the humility side of it um, to have that, that, that perspective. Sean Livingston, my guest. I don't know, Sean, I'm, I hate to even pose the question, but when you look at your journey, when you look at what you've accomplished, I mean, I would never say, is it a good thing? I mean, it was so devastating. If you could go back and change it, would you? Would it have been much better for it not to happen? I mean, it seems obvious, right? But every once in a while, somebody will say, no, you know what? I wouldn't change anything because had I not taken that path, I wouldn't be who I am right now. So where do you come out? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's really what it is. I mean, you know, things, uh, it's so cliche, right? You hear it all the time. Things happen for a reason. But um, I'm, I mean, you know, I'm grateful. And I think, again, it's just really this perspective, um, just kind of trying to get out my own way um, and, and see things from a different perspective and knowing that, you know, this was supposed to happen, um, you know, and, and, and not really not really looking at it from a short-sighted perspective and saying, you know, I, I could have been this, I should have been this, you know, I had a chance to do this. You know, I had an opportunity to play in the NBA. I mean, I you know, I'm living out my dream, you know, coming from Peoria, Illinois. You know, there's so many kids out there that, you know, that didn't make it and that didn't have that opportunity and that chance. So, you know, I'm grateful. And, and to be able to look at it, you know, that way, uh, that gives me a lot of hope. It gives me a lot of joy, um, you know, and it allows me to take advantage of these opportunities. It's an amazing perspective, and I know it gives a lot of other people a lot of hope when they're dealing with something challenging, too. Before I let you go, you've got the Rockets tonight, and I'm curious about that. The Rockets are on record as saying, we always think about Golden State. They're always in the back of our mind. So do you find yourselves thinking about them, or when you're the guy that everybody's trying to hunt down, do you really think about nobody but yourself? Or to make it even more confusing, do you think about everybody? <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I mean, we see what's going on in the league. You know, again, we got veteran guys. We, you know, guys pay attention to what's going on in the league. And, you know, Houston's having a great year. Uh, they're one of those teams that, you know, obviously are, um, you know, realistic chance of, of, of winning a championship. So, um, you know, they pose a threat. And I think, you know, we definitely have to come out and play against them. Um, but, in saying that, you know, from a coach's standpoint, we, we we definitely still focus. You know, we focus on us. We understand. You know, we uh, we have to have appropriate fear, but that's kind of where it stops. You know, we we definitely talk about what we have to do, our game plan, and and everybody comes out. And you know, just it's it's all about us. Hey, Sean, you said from a coach's standpoint, you've got a lot of good basketball left. <laughs> I know you're not anywhere near done. Yeah. Is that in the back of your mind? Would you want to be a coach? Uh, I mean, you know, I'm keeping I'm keeping all the options open. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I always said I wanted to go into the front office. Um, I kind of, you know, just kind of planting seeds here and there and, you know, picking the brain. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see when that time comes. Sean, one last thought. It's your second season with Kevin Durant as part of that team. How different is it now that you've had a full year with him? He's just more in a comfort zone, right? I mean, anytime you get a chance to uh, feel things out, you get that first year, you get that first swing, you know, it's like, okay, now I'm comfortable, now I'm good. You know, I understand. I know what to expect. I know, you know, he knows in the flow kind of where his shots are coming. 
Um, you know, he just he's just so much more comfortable. Uh, you know, it's great chemistry. You know, with the guys. Uh, you know, he's he's one of our leaders. You know, just kind of in the way that he plays. Uh, everybody respects him. You know, as far as what he's accomplished, what he's been able to do in this league, and um, man, I mean, he's. He's just, uh, you know, he's, he just has a good feel. He just has a good feel right now. So it's good to see him in this space. Brad in Corona, first week of July. It is not a smack-off day. Bradley, what's going on? How are you? Jimmy, I'm great. Kevin and Bean were right. You were looking good, my friend. Your lettuce is on point. <laughs> I do want to specify, though, that it's really just you who's looking good. Every time they cut to the rest of your crew, it's a different story. It looks like they're the launch team for a missile that just crashed into the ocean. It's all dark, computers glowing off their sweaty faces, guys staring down at their notes, chewing on pencils. Give those guys some better lighting and maybe like a plant, Jim. I do love the TV show, though. My favorite part so far is I now get to actually see your sports update guys when you go to them. Thank God we got a special camera for Rich Ackerman Andrew Bogish, and whoever else they can pull in off the street to read 30 seconds of sports highlights every half an hour. Jim, do me a favor. Watch Ackerman next time you go to him. The dude sits four inches away from a 40-inch monitor, and I'm 99% sure he's just pulling up Yahoo headlines and reading whatever pops up on that screen in front of his big face. Hey, Rich, quick pro tip for you. Don't accidentally read the Yahoo-sponsored ads when Jim throws it to you. Sports Flash. I'm Rich Ackerman. Bankers hate him for this one simple trick. Oops, wait, I mean, 12 celebrities who still look hot in bikinis. Wait, oh my God, my internet's frozen, Jim. Back to you. Hey, Ackerman, bogish, pay attention. I know you're both out there listening right now, and you're both probably thinking the exact same thing. You're thinking, hey. Does my car qualify for Uber? And the truth is, guys, I'm not sure. I don't know what kind of cars you're rolling in these days, but I'm guessing maybe, maybe you could both squeak into, like, Uber X driving status. Hey, maybe you guys can both schlep packages for Amazon. From the sounds of the call Jim took earlier from that delivery driver, they apparently have zero qualification standards. You can pull 180s, slip and slide all over the road, drop off some packages, and call the Jim Rome Show in between your sports updates. So it's a win, 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 guys. Hey, Jimmy, do you have time here at the end of my call for a quick ATP? Oh, you know I do, Brad. You know I do. Thanks, dude. I don't want to be like I afraid yesterday and overstate my welcome by three minutes and an entire song. So real quick, you had a guy in the studio Tuesday. I noticed that you were wearing an earpiece, and he was wearing headphones. And my ATP question, Jim, is do you have a bigger pair of headphones for your guests than the ones that guy wore on Tuesday? And I guess my concern is that this year when Leffen Laguna comes stomping into the studio during his annual smack-off call, that whatever that guy wore on Tuesday won't be able to properly cover what Les got going on up top with his ears, Jim. There's no way those things are going to fit him. He'll have, like, ear cleavage spilling out over the side of the headphones. It's not going to be a good scene. All right, that's my ATP, Jimmy. I'll hang up now and take your answer off the ears. I mean air. Uh, I'll take your answer off the air, Jim, not the ears. Yeah, I got Just it first time, Brad. I got it, my man. I got you, Brad and Corona. Amazing. You can go ahead and rack that call. See, the bad thing about TV now... 
You see my reaction to it, right? I'm not supposed to laugh at him clowning my friends. But how do you not laugh when he does things like that? Brad and Corona. <sighs> Tagging with the ATP. My man, would you, would you get off of Rich Ackerman? Can you get off this guy and keep Andrew Bogish's name out your mouth, Bradley? But of course, Brad is the one that glossed the two-time defending champ left in Laguna, quote, a gimmicky little bitch. This is what I mean, all right? So you can say what you want about this TV show. You can talk about whether or not this is a good idea or a bad idea. If it's going to bring out that guy, if it's going to smoke that guy out the first week of January, how can that be anything but awesome? That was a smack-off level call. Never mind the huge call today, which he already locked up. That was a smack-off level call. That's what you get the day of the smack-off. That's what you get from a guy who's won the championship three times. I mean, you find me another guy that can do that. Brad in Corona. Man, we've had a hell of a week, haven't we? Brad came in. Ifrady came in. Some other smack-off participants have come in. That is something else. 1-800-636-8686. Who wants to be the one to try to follow that guy? If anybody could, this guy might. This guy's got mad game. Brad in Corona, bro. Back away from my man Rich Ackerman. He's had enough. Let's go to Mark in Boston. He knows how it's played. Mark, what's up, bro? How are you? Jim, what's happening, Pana? What's up, Pana? Hey, man, it's really nice to see you on TV, but I have to ask, what is up with that death pool graphic over your right shoulder? <laughs> I mean, is that something that we're doing now? Because if I am on the clock, I would like to use my first-round pick on Iafrady. The dude has incredible value in the first round. I could be a sleeper permanently. Hey, uh, you mentioned that Iafrady came in the studio last year. How cold did you have to get the studio to keep him from rapidly mummifying? And uh, I'm like four for four watching the show on the simulcast, but not because of any other reason, but I'm fascinated by the dudes on the other side of the glass. Every time you show the guys in the studio, I'm half expecting Hawk to reach out from the television and be like, y'all want some weed? Uh, hey, Jim, you can tell Hawk that if he's going for that Eastern European human trafficker look, he has nailed it. I can't tell if Hawk is your EP or if he's trying to sell me his EP. He looks like a guy who's in one of those bands that subbed out a drummer for like a horn. Uh, War Jim Harbaugh doing better than eight and five this year and not finishing higher than fourth in the Big Ten East. And uh, War Urban Meyer is uh, chest pain medicine. We're out. <laughs> Rack him, Alvy. We've had more unbelievable phone calls in the first week of 2018 than we probably did in the first six months of 2017. He is family. Wesley Woodyard is my guest. Wesley, so good to have you back. How are you? Oh, doing good, Jim, man. It's a great day anytime I talk to you. <laughs> oh, man, I'd say the same thing about you. Great to have you back. In fact, why don't you take me back to week 17? Let me start right there, Wesley. Going into that game, you knew that you would be in the playoffs if you won. So given how long you've been at this thing, what kind of emotions were you having before kickoff? Oh, man, it was, it was, a, it was a crazy atmosphere, man. Let's start with, the, with the, just the whole stadium atmosphere, man. It was something that our fans have been long overdue. I think we had a, maybe like a nine-year drought or something like that getting in the playoffs, and I know I was part of it for three years. So it was a crazy atmosphere. We get in there. It felt like a playoff game. But, man, emotion-wise, 
you know, I just wanted to get that win. And, you know, we, we kind of, you know, threw away a, a few games before this that, that would have put us in a great situation, man. But I think overall that game, man, really showed a lot about our team, man. We had a chance to finish 5-1 and one in the division and, you know, sweep two teams in our division. So, man, it was a great way to finish for our home fans. And, you know, man, next year we got something to look forward to as far as, you know, knowing what we got to do in the division. Tennessee's in. They're at Kansas City on Saturday. Wesley Woodyard is my guest. You know, there's that great moment in that game where the offense had the ball on third and five on your own 44. Over two minutes to go. Marcus Mariota's receivers were covered. He puts, pulls the ball down. He drops one defender with a stiff arm. He scrambles <laughs> for that first down, and then he shows you a little bit of fire after the play. What was your reaction on the sideline when you saw that, and how fired up were you? I tell you what, before that play was going, before that play happened, I was on the sideline freezing my butt off, and all of a sudden I see Marcus start scrambling. Our next thing I know, I'm I'm standing on the field giving him congratulations. So you know that right there just gave us a great feeling as a team to see our quarterback take over the game, and you know that's what it's going to take if we want to go deep into these playoffs and get into the Super Bowl. Man, he's going to have to start taking over the game, and and defensively we're going to have to rally around him and make sure we put up, put those guys in great field position. You know, so you might have answered this in part. Well, this next question I'm going to ask you, but when you and Brian Arakpo spoke with him during the week before that game. Can you share what did you say to him and what was the message that you wanted to hear from him? Ah, uh, man, you know, just just to, you know, tell him that, you know, man, we believe in you and we have your back. And, you know, and, and basically kind of the same thing. I told him that, hey, we, in order for us to be a great team and, and go far in this, in this league, you know, he's going to have to take over the game for us like he did. And, man, you know, he's already had that in, in him, and he didn't need any of that talk from us. But, you know, just to know that you have guys on your team that have your back no matter what, you know, it'll help anybody out. You know, I know I, 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 I live off of my teammates, you know, giving me, you know, you know, heads up, hey, Will, you know, man, hey, we believe in you. You can make this play. You can do that. So it goes a long way when you know your teammates back you no matter what. And we definitely back eight, and we believe that we can be a great team with his success. We are talking to Wesley Woodyard, so you're back in the postseason right now. Now, there are a number of guys on your team that have not been to the playoffs before. You've been there in the past. What kinds of things are you telling these guys in terms of how to approach the playoffs? I mean, is it just another game, or do you make sure don't approach it like that because it's not just another game? It's definitely not another game, man. You know, in the playoffs, everything is, you know, magnified, you know, Every, I'm magnified. I'm sorry. Everything is big. You know, one mistake could cost you the game. As you know, you you have to be on your point. You got to make sure you're ready for every play that they can give you. You got to make sure you watch as much film or or learn as many plays as they ran. And you know, going against Andy Reid, you know they're gonna pull something out of the bag anytime they get on a prime time game. They usually do something that keeps the fans and the opposing team and all. So you know, we got to be ready for everything. But it's a huge moment, and every play counts, and every play matters, and that's how you got to play it. All right, so you're going up against Andy Reid, and of course you're going up against Alex Smith, who has struggled a little bit against you guys in the past. How do you go about preparing to face him, and then what kind of things are you looking to do to make him uncomfortable? Well, I'll tell you what, man. Coming into the game, we already know, you know, they have a, they're going to be trying to get some get back on us from the game last year, and you know, just in the past, you know, the record wise. So you know, we got to be ready on our toes, man. And you know, I, I think the thing is that you know that'll limit some of those those big plays. That's going to be key for us, man. You know, we got to know where Kelsey's lined up at. You know, we got to know where Tyreek is going to be on the field, and, and most importantly. We got to make sure we keep, uh, you know, Smith, you know, uncomfortable in that pocket because those, all three of those guys there can do anything that they want to on the football field because, you know, Andy Reid's giving them the reins and, you know, that team revolves around those three guys making huge plays for them. 
As you point out, they're looking to get some get back on you. Listen, you're having a monster season. In fact, I would argue, Wesley, I think that this might be the best year that you've had. Delaney Walker was talking about how the two of you are similar and that like a good wine, it just gets better as it ages. <laughs> so how do you go about explaining what you're doing at this point in your career? Oh, man, it's it's a lot of things that I've learned throughout the years to take care of my body that's going to allow me to be in the situation and, 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 and to take advantage of the plays that I'm out there having on the field. So, man, it's, it's part of knowing what your body can do and what you need to do to get your body ready for a Sunday game. And, and most importantly, man, when you're a veteran, you've seen a lot of football, so you know what, what's going to come. And, and most importantly, man, I've been blessed by God, man, to, to be able to be in the situation and be a light for his kingdom. Hmm. There's that, and then there's taking care of your body, as you point out, and then there's what you put into your body. A while back, oh, yeah. you followed Derek Morgan's lead and shifted to a plant-based diet. What was it about that that appealed to you, and then what kind of an impact has that had on you? Man, I'll tell you what, I joke, I joked about that for about five weeks with those guys, man. I see them come in with their little packed up, packed up lunch and dinner, like, ah, just laughing at them. And I started thinking about things, man, you know, Maybe I should, you know, take take more care of what I'm putting in my body. And I tell you what, man, I have so much more energy now. You know, when I when I laid off of the red meat, man, I, I felt slow, sluggish. I always wanted to take a nap. And now with three kids, you know, it's go time. As soon as you get home, and it's just oh, I've got so much more energy just with that plant based diet. So, man, I definitely think that's one of the huge reasons for me having success this year. You know, one more thought about that. There was that concern that when guys first went to that, that they'd lose muscle mass and they lose energy. You pointed out that you have more energy if anything else any concern about that any loss of muscle mass um i mean to be honest with you football players we lose a lot of muscle mass as the season goes on in the later part of the season you always drop weight and no matter what there's nowhere around that but i definitely didn't have a problem me being an undersized linebacker of course it was one of my biggest concerns i would say the first the first two weeks i was on a diet i, I lost about 10 pounds but i, I quickly wow. gained that back because I understood my diet and what I needed to give myself to eat more. And, you know, just stand on top of it. It's all about knowledge about your body and what your body needs to put in it. Wesley Woodyard, my guest, for a few more moments. Last month you were named a finalist for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award as a result of the work that you've done through your 16 Ways Foundation. It's a tremendous, tremendous honor. What does that mean to you? Oh, man, anytime you uh, are named a Walter Payton Man of the Year, uh, Year candidate, you know, just knowing the things that Walter Payton's done in, in the community, it's, it's a blessing to be held up to him. But, you know, man, I, I think about, to me, guys that changed the community that I was in and the communities that they lived in. I think of a guy I just found out that just passed away moments ago, my uncle uh, Charles. Man, it's just it's so many things that you can do in this community to make it a better a better place for everybody. And that's one thing that my uncle did, man. He tried to change everybody's life for the better. And just, you know, it didn't matter who you were. He believed that you were going to be successful, and, and he always lived by that every day. You know, motivate somebody to be great, and, and that's what it takes, man. That's what it takes to be a great citizen, a great player, and I definitely have many people, you know, plug into my life, and that's something that my foundation does, man. We we go out and we attack these kids in, in a positive way, and, and we just want to motivate them and let them know that there's somebody out there that believes in you no matter what because you guys are our future. You know, Wesley, one of the things you do with the kids is you take them on a holiday shopping spree, which is amazing. I was going to ask you about that, but I'm so sorry to hear about your uncle. Tell me about him for a minute. What was he like? Oh, man, a, a great man. You know, I can always remember him coming to my college games, man, with a big smile, just lighting up the room every time he was around. And, 
he was one of those uncles that would always be like, hey, nephew, I got a little piece of bubble gum for you. And right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, you don't have to do anything for me. I'm just out here playing hard so I can make you smile, man. But he, his, his bubble gum was, was, was a huge hug and a nice handshake with, with a $100 bill to go and get me something to eat, man. But I tell you what, man, the world needs more place like my uncle, man. And, and it's sad. I know God's going to love on him up there. So, man, rest in peace, uncle, man. Now, things are great here in SoCal. Took a little walk around the studio. The sun is out. It's shining. Not a cloud in the sky. Perfect 60 degrees. This is not the way it is in the rest of the country. In fact, if you've not flipped on your radio or your TV or your computer for the past couple of days, you may not be aware of this. You may not be aware of the fact that the East Coast is currently being buried under a bomb cyclone. And it's causing chaos. Lots of snow. Crazy winds. Supermarket shelves have been cleaned out. Flights are being canceled. School is being canceled. People are being warned not to make non-essential trips. In fact, it's gotten so bad. It's how bad this is. It's gotten so bad that even Bill Belichick has told Patriots players to stay home. Of course he hasn't. In fact, it's just the opposite with the hood. According to ESPN, the message from Belichick is that the only change to the schedule is that there is no change to the schedule. Take it from special teams captain Matthew Slater, business as usual. You certainly better leave yourself enough time to get here uh, on time tomorrow. Uh, We all know there's weather. Coach has mentioned that uh, several times to the team. So I wouldn't want to be the guy who's late tomorrow. And he's not the only guy saying it either. Believe me. Devin McCourty also knows exactly what time it is. He's mentioned it, that he doesn't care. Don't call and say your car got stuck. Don't listen to I think everyone knows there's two hotels up here at Patriot Place. So um, stay there for the night. Find a way. There are two hotels up here. Check into the hotel if you have to. Hey, of course he did. I mean, find a way. You know what he said? Find a way. Find a way. Find a way equals do your job equals no days off. And no days off and do your job means showing up at work. I mean, did you really think that Bill Belichick, of all people, was going to call for a snow day? That the local news would be running down a list of cancellations and closings like Newcastle Public School District closed. New England Academy in Beverly closed. New England Law in Boston closed. New England Patriots practice closed. Newfields Public School District closed. Of course not. I'm not even sure why this is a story. I don't care how big that storm is, how much chaos it's causing. Did you really think the hood man was just going to let his guys stay, get loose, stay home, go sledding, build snow forts, drink hot chocolate? Hell freaking no. This is Bill Belichick we're talking about. No No days days off. off. No days off. off. Hail, sleet, wind, rain, snow, frogs, pestilence, asteroids. It doesn't matter. There will be practice. There could be an avalanche at the Patriots practice facility, and this guy would still expect guys to be five minutes early working on pass patterns. You think it really matters that they've got to buy this week? 
You think this guy's really going to postpone practice until tomorrow because they don't have to play on Sunday? No chance. He's got a rep. He's got a rep to uphold, and that rep is he is the surliest, grumpiest, toughest guy in the league. That rep is gone if he says the guys can show up late. Or even worse, that he checks a weather report, is concerned about the safety on the roads, and tells everybody, you know what, you don't have to show up at all. Stay home. Let me tell you something. The Pats are lucky he's not making them practice outside so they can run deep routes and get used to catching bombs in a bomb cyclone. You know, just in case another bomb cyclone comes around during the postseason. This storm is not a day off. This storm is a day to get better. It's not a day off. It's a day to get better. A day for popping pads and watching film. Not a day for popping corn and watching Netflix. This is a non-story. Of course they're coming. Of course they've got to go to work. In fact, you better be there even earlier. I pity the poor fool who doesn't understand that. Austin Huff in the house. Here's a, <laughs> an email. Romy, do I seem like a person that grumbles just to hear myself grumble? And when I start a chant, I stick by it. So I'll say it again for those who have forgotten. Snow no days, days off. off. Snow no days, days off. off. Snow days no off. Days Signed, no The days Hood. No Josh off. in no Nola. No you got to work. RTN for short. Let's go there right now. Dan in Denver. Happy New Year, Dan. What's up? What's up, Rome? Thanks for the vine. I wanted to talk about Darnold and Rosen declaring for the NFL draft. The Browns tank to land one of these two. Now they should tank to not get drafted by the Browns. Can't you just see Darnold getting strip sack at the combine by one of those dudes waving a broom? Remember that suck for luck campaign? Well, this is the clown away from the Browns. In Rome, smart of you to prop up Team Bake yesterday on the simulcast, targeting that all-important, unemployed, stuck-on-the-couch-all-day demographic. It's great that the jungle's on TV. It's just too bad Team Bake sold their TVs for drugs. The only thing lower than Team Bake on the jungle food chain is their credit scores. These are the same losers that consider sex strictly a spectator sport. It's not all bad, though, Rome. Now that pot is legal, these guys can be legally unemployed. But, Rome, if you actually are team, team bake, how about you invite Luke and Mike in studio? It'll give a whole new meaning to the green room. I'd say these losers need to pick up the phone and dial again, but I feel like their phones have been disconnected. War Kirk Cousins to the Broncos. War RTN on TV. Out. You know what? I'm going to rack him. RTN got to the end of the phone call, so I might as well rack it. RTN on TV. Remember the name, Dan in Denver. The best thing about being on TV so far, aside from there being viewers and listeners that maybe we couldn't find before that have now found us, the legends are coming out. The big game. Big name callers are coming out. Here's another one. Let's go to Matt in Vancouver. Matt, good to have you on the show. What's up? What up, Rome? Hey, Dan in Denver, you want to come for Team Bake, man? How about you work on getting better at being team take? Maybe then your boring, effeminate ass won't get run in the smack-off. That's if you ever taste another smack-off, Dan. The NBA stint in Vancouver thinks Rome regrets putting you in. Bro, take a run down to Walgreens, pick up some low-T gel, balance out those testosterone levels, man. Try again. War Bills Mafia blowing out their monthly cigarette budget to head down to Jacksonville this weekend only to get their brains beaten in by 30. War Team Canada making its TV debut, Romy. Peace. Peace. Matt in Vancouver. 
Matt's that kind of car that I never know whether or not to rack him or to run him. I mean, do I rack that car or do I run that car? Can I do both? What the hell, Alvin, go ahead and rack him. Matt in Vancouver is saying War Team Canada making their TV debut. Tyler in Edmonton. Tyler, Happy New Year. What's up? What's up, man? Looking tight. How you feeling on day three? Good, man. I feel great. How about you? I'm good, man. I got a quick shout out to Silk Bra. Thank you for the inspiration, Bra. I sent in a request to CBS headquarters asking for that. When I call, they put a couple pictures of some pond hockey and oil refineries, Bra. Fomos Bra. So I see Brad is still recycling takes from 2017. Romy, is that what happens when some of my old heroes start losing their touch? They start going all senile and taking shots at defenseless clones for a little confidence boost? Sad, man. Chael's fighting in the Bellator. Vic's taking runs at Nooch's weed dealer. And Brad is still infatuated with some fat guy's ears in Laguna. And how about Mike? You know, it's funny. Mike mentioned in the smack-off that he had no use of his amygdala. And for those reasons, he didn't feel fear. Well, you know what else your amygdala is in control of? Emotional reaction. It's no wonder Mike can't get over and make an appearance to the jungle. He's still sobbing about getting second place again. Mikey, I know it hurts, but you got to step your game up. Your team just signed a younger, faster, stronger prospect from Canada, and the clock is ticking, my man. The clock is ticking. I'm out. Rock him. Bradley Beal is my guest. Bradley, good to have you back on. How are you? You're doing great, Jim. How are you doing? Bradley, I'm great. It's good to visit with you. Thanks so much. You had that really strong game in last night's win over the Knicks. So let me start right there. The team hasn't played its best basketball against teams that are sub-500. So, And I know you know about that. So how good did it feel to go out there and take care of business the way you did against the Knicks? It was great. You know, we still, uh, we still, have, a lot, we still have a lot to work on. You know, it's not perfect. Uh, our goal is to definitely be one of the best teams. You know, in order to be one of the best teams, we have to be able to be teams who are under 500. And as you know, that's been one of our struggles. So uh, it was great definitely to be able to go in last night, but we got we to gotta have that same approach every time we step onto the floor. You recently stopped by the NBA TV set, and you were talking to Isaiah Thomas, and one of the things that he said was it takes a really special player to do what you've done and develop the chemistry that you have with John Wall. So how would you describe the relationship that you have with Wall on the floor? Oh, that's great, man. It was great since day one. You know, I was more than happy. That's no bueno. Bradley. Bradley, let me do this. Pick him up. Pick him up. And let's see if we can figure that out. That might be the bomb cyclone or something. He is having an amazing year, Bradley Beal. I mentioned the stats, but... You talk about him, you knew that he was a freaky, freaky scorer. That was never going to be a problem. Him navigating the ball into the basket was never going to be an issue. But his game has developed. Bradley, sorry about that. I got you back up right now. You were talking about John Wall and the chemistry you guys have. Oh, it was great. You know, I think uh, ever since day one, you know, we've been really good. You know, uh, in the immediate one, you know, he's a, he loves to play fast. I love to play fast. Dash and dash a little bit. You know, he, he can get to the basket. I can shoot the ball and, he makes my job easy because all I got to do is find a way to get open and he'll find me. So uh, our relationship has constantly gotten better. You know, uh, people always thought that we didn't get along, but, you know, I feel like they, they kind of misconstrued it with our competitive nature. You know, we both want to win. We both want to take the last shot. We both want to want to be successful guards in the league and have great careers. And we got to the point where we realized that we need one another, you know, regardless of the fact of, you know, what our individual goals may be, our team goals, you know, we need one another. We feed off each other. So, uh, we just constantly grew, we matured, and uh, our leadership role is constantly increasing. We realize that this won't move unless we move. 
Bradley Beal, my guest, let me ask you this. You're having a huge year, and your name is now coming up quite a bit for the All-Star game. Scott Brooks said recently, quote, it's all about winning games, and if you win games and you play for each other, individual awards will come. If you focus on that, you're focused on the wrong things. I've talked to Brad many, many times, and he has not mentioned All-Star to me. So your own coach said you haven't mentioned this at all. Is I mean, look, I know you're not focused on being an all-star, but is it in the back of your mind, and what would it mean to you to be an all-star this year? I don't think about it. I honestly don't. You know, um, if I get caught up in that, that kind of takes away from my team concept. And You know, what what we need to do to win games, you know? I feel like, uh, like Coach says, you win games and, you know, you produce up on the floor. You know, those accolades will take care of themselves. You know, and if I'm an all-star this year, that'll be, that'll be great, you know? Individual goals. I'm not going to see and be naive to it. You know, this is an individual goal of mine, but that's not why I go out there and play each and every night. You know, I just go out and compete and do whatever it takes to help my team win. See, probably the thing is, it's not what you're about, but you want to be recognized for your play. You want to be recognized for the year you're having. Right. You want to be recognized for the work that you've put in. It's kind of a weird thing because today is a two-for-one day when it comes to all-star voting. So fans who vote on NBA.com or through the NBA app will make their votes count double. Like, there's an opportunity for you here if you take advantage of it. So are you comfortable taking advantage of it, or is that just something you don't want to do? I don't like doing it. I don't right. like doing it. Like I feel like I don't. I don't. I, don't, I shouldn't have to tell people to go vote for me or you know any anything of that nature. I, I just let my game speak for itself. For itself, and people vote. They vote. You know, I have a lot of fans here in the city. I have a lot of fans back home and a lot of fans around the world. You know, so you know, I just let I just let them handle it and let them control it. I probably could help myself out a little bit more in that category, but you know, that's that's, that's just that was never in my nature. You know, I get it. Not even. Not even who I'm built to be. So, you know, I just allow my game to speak for so. Wood, what's cracking? How are you? Jim Rome, how you doing, bud? Good, bud. How about you? How's the scope? I'm doing all right. Here's here's the thing. Um, I'm going to make this quick because I know you're running out of time. But uh, I have some a legend week coming up this week. I have Mike, or I got uh, Raider Mike, Coach Tom, and Kerwin coming on this week. Kerwin? Uh, in a couple weeks from now. Yeah, Kerwin. Um, in a couple weeks from now, I got... Um, Cruz Pedagon, I don't know if you've heard of him or not. He might be the fastest clone in the world, um, along with Mark in Hollywood. And then on February 2nd, I know you're busy that week, but maybe if you squeeze in some time, Mike and Indy and Jim Rome. Thursday's show is in the books. Friday still to come. Remember, TGIF, the grind includes Friday. You know the drill. Back it in. Tomorrow, I'm out.